This is Fishing for Two. I'm Frank Warrington. I'd like to welcome you to our second installment of the Friday Night Savior's Right Face-Off. Tonight, we're going in deep within Christianity. Many would think that Roman Catholicism and Christianity are one in the same, but in a lot of ways, they are extremely different. We are going to look at how Catholicism matches up to God's Word and see its practices compared to Christianity. Disclaimer. This is in no way a jab at the people who follow Roman Catholicism. More of a general view of what Roman Catholicism is compared to what a Christian believes. And us as Christians must pray for the salvation of all mankind and witness to those who may be looking for an answer. Thank you. Alright, let's get to it. Throughout the first half of the first century, the Christian church was severely persecuted by the pagan Roman Empire. This happened up until 313 AD when Emperor Constantine legalized the practice of Christianity. He had a dream that God told him before a battle to paint crosses on all the soldiers' shields and he would win that battle, which he did and they won. So with this victory, it was time to end the persecution. But also, within the empire, Christianity was getting bigger and bigger even in the government. More people were coming to Christ and making it harder to persecute. There are some similarities between the two. We both believe the Trinity. We believe that there is a heaven and a hell. More on that. We both believe that man has inherited original sin from Adam. We're also pro-life and hold some of the same moral values. But how do things get different? Why was there such a momentous shift in the theology from what Roman Catholicism is to what Christianity is? We must first remember that the Roman Empire had deep pagan roots. There was a new religion taking over the empire faster than any enemy at that time. The Roman Empire adopted Christianity, but in order to get more people going along with the new religion, they incorporated a lot of paganist traditions in with Catholicism. One example is the mother-son worship in which the mother is divine and gave birth to a son of a god who is in turn a god. In Rome, this was Venus and Jupiter. This practice started in Babylon with Semiramis and Nimrod, or the son Tammuz. You may be thinking, wasn't this the case for Jesus? It is not, and it is far from it. You see, in Genesis, God confronted the serpent when he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Satan isn't dumb, folks. He knew exactly what God meant by this. God spoke of Jesus as the Redeemer for mankind, and that he would come from a woman's seed. This meaning a virgin birth from Mary's seed. Satan, always a front-runner to God, sprouted beliefs around the world of a virgin birth. As mentioned, this all began with Semiramis. She had an adulterous relationship while married to Nimrod. Nimrod died. Then when he died, she was in a power struggle and gave birth to Tammuz, who she claimed was Nimrod, her former husband and God formed to keep her power. With this practice being heavily prevalent in Roman Empire paganism, it was adopted into Catholicism. They turned Mary into the mother of God. They also did this by praying to Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, yada yada yada. But Jesus commands us to pray in this manner, Our Father, who is in heaven. Rome makes Mary more important than Jesus. But the Bible says she was just a woman. She is, however, blessed among women and a very crucial part to the success of the church after Christ's ascension. Exodus 24, 5 God strongly says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, 
or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation that hate me. We can see that in the Roman Catholic Church are many symbols of pagan worship. Lots to do with sun worship. The things the priests and people wear are pagan. For example, the Pope's hat is based off the Dagon priest fish hat from Babylon. If you do your research, you can see all the symbols of pagan worship. The Catholic Church also tied pagan holidays in with Christian to keep the former pagan worshippers involved. While Jesus is thought by some scholars to be born in September, Roman Catholicism wanted to tie the celebration in with the Winter Solstice Festival. As well as Easter, we celebrate it as the Resurrection, but it started out as a pagan celebration for the Spring Equinox, starting again with the Babylon traditions of Tammuz and his wife Ishtar. There's also many traditions other than pagan that aren't biblical, like priests and nuns not being able to marry. Paul insists that the overseer or bishop be blameless, the husband to one wife, 1 Timothy 3.2. We see that Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law, Matthew 8.14, Luke 4.38. God says it is not good that a man should be alone, Genesis 2.18. To avoid sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband, 1 Corinthians 7.2. Now the Spirit tells us explicitly that in the latter times some shall apostatize from the faith, speaking lies and hypocrisy, forbidding to marry. Sound familiar? That's 1 Timothy 4, 1-3. There's also confessing sins to a priest, which yeah, is a good thing, but not when the priest has the power to forgive those sins. Only God and Jesus can forgive sins. The apostles never heard confessions. In Acts 10.43, Peter said, Everyone who believes in him receives remission of sins through his name. Christ is the only mediator between God and men. And having Mary, the priests, and the saints, Roman Catholicism turns people away from Christ. Now we get to the head of the Roman Catholic Church, who is the Pope. The Pope in this tradition is known as Pontifex Maximus, or the pontiff, which was a title for pagan Roman emperors. It's just crazy, folks. This meaning of the name means chief bridge builder between earth and heaven. Now, this is blasphemy in itself against Jesus because he and he alone has that title. The papal has also made brutal decrees against everybody for centuries. Can you believe that the Bible was outlawed to common folk? I wonder why. From 1382 to 1500 AD, many Christian martyrs were burned to death with Wyclef's Bible tied around their necks. Tyndale published thousands of New Testaments in English and smuggled them into England where they were rapidly distributed. The Catholic Church seized and burned many copies as well as burning Tyndale himself at the stake in 1536. Catholicism today permits Catholics to read the Bible but teaches. That is sinful to put any interpretation on the Bible that is contrary to Catholic beliefs. Oh man. The Roman Church also made it near impossible to go in heaven. You must do sacraments, confessions, penance, and if you do just good enough, 
you may end up in purgatory. And when you're there, your loved ones can buy candles to light your way out to heaven. And only saints have a clear path to heaven. Most saints were granted sainthood after death. Nowhere in the Bible is purgatory mentioned. Just another pagan belief that crept its way into the teachings of Christ. One of my all-time favorite verses is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There are many, many reasons why our two beliefs are different, and I strongly encourage you, if you're a Catholic listening, or listening and know a Catholic, and you want to witness to them, to do your research on Christ's true salvation and what he did for mankind. Read your Bible. Friends, I'd really like to get the word out there, and I feel the Holy Spirit has been pressing me to start this podcast and to talk about the things we have and will talk about. Pray for us in producing and getting this podcast to grow, but most importantly, getting God's word and truth to whoever has an ear to hear. Even if you don't share this with the people you know, I highly advise you to share the gospel with people. It's not an easy thing to do for some, and I know it wasn't for me. But we are called by God to do it. I feel we are in a season where we need to share with everyone God's love and grace. And if you are listening for the first time, I'd like to tell you that, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9 If this made sense to you and you trusted Christ as your Savior today, I'd love to pray with you. Dear Father, I thank you so much for sending your Son to die for everything I've done and might do, and raising him three days later so I will live eternally with you. Your love and mercy brings me to tears, Lord. I'm thankful that I don't have to do anything for you to save me from the wicked person I was. Send me the Holy Spirit, Lord, to guide me on a righteous path with you, Father. And in your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you again, everyone, for your support and prayers. Every new view I see that we get gets me more fired up to bring more content to you guys. All the glory be to God. I'm Frank Warrington with Fishing for Two. Good night and God bless.